Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that reviews movies, but also does other... I really have not workshopped this intro yet. God, it's actually frustrating. Like, I've been doing I mean, this so for I feel three like, and a half years. Do you years. think we're at the level where we just like don't have to intro? Just be like, hey guys, we're back. Welcome back. No, I hate that. Because what happens if if I click on a new podcast... And it's like, hey, guys, welcome back. I'm like, I for, do not do not refer to me like I am your friend. I am a guest. And how you treat me will determine on if I am your friend or not. But do you mean like, do we need a tagline? Like, hey, guys, this is permanent good. This is him. This is me. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be now. Got to let the light shine on me. Yeah. <laughs> this is. I will. We're about to active- do our thing. Watch and learn. Suck us. <laughs> I will actively workshop it this week and I will have, I'm going to call it a solution next time. I don't, that's not normally what you call intros. You know, it's like, Hey, here's my podcast. How do you intro it? I know I'll find a solution for it. Um, but, but also that it's no big deal. (laughs) I know, but like I have so few things that like I um, need to make what I have important. So sure. um I'm just let's just jump right into the movie. So this is the last week of me watching movies that um you would be surprised that I haven't watched. Not because they're popular, but because they're written for me effectively. Um we are watching the mid two thousands sci-fi adaptation of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 24 minutes, 46 seconds. So the reason I chose this movie is because I read the book a few years ago, and people have always been recommending this movie to me. And so after I read the book, I'm like, I'm going to watch the movie. And then like two months later, we started the podcast, and I'm like, I'll save it for the podcast. And then we just never got around to it. So, we're watching Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and upon watching this movie, I remembered I didn't like the book very much. So, oh, jeez, dude. <laughs> so, I forgot I was setting myself up for failure here. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a sci-fi comedy book that was written in the 80s by a guy named Douglas Adams. And Douglas Adams is quite possibly... The third most British person you could ever meet. It goes Prince Charles, or King Charles, I guess now, Terry Pratchett, Douglas Adams. (laughs) Um, And so, by virtue of that, the book is very British humor. Very dry. The the way the book is laid out, and it's less so in the movie, where the the style of comedy in the book was... um, it was addressed like the Hitchhiker's Guide, like you were reading like a like an like a Hitchhiker's Guide for Dummies, um, right? But it would explain everything like it's totally normal, and then it will stop itself, be like, "Oh wait, you don't know the context for this," and then double back and explain the joke to you. The entire book is the narrator explaining a joke after explaining a joke. So if that's your style of comedy. Cool. I got about a third of the way in when I detected this pattern, and I'm like, oh, no. Isn't it a thick book? No. No. Okay. In my Um, head, dude, I mean, I only saw people walking around with it in middle school. 
Because for Halloween, a guy would just come to school with a towel. And I'm like, great. I don't get it. But I know this is stupid. And like books over 200 words or 200 pages were thick to me. I'm like, that's a lot of reading. Um, um, so I that listened- looked like a 400, 500 pager. So I listened to the audiobook, and it was um, less than eight hours, I think. Um, and that's pretty standard um, for audiobooks. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is 224 pages. Okay, yeah, that's just a normal book. Yeah. Um, so the plot synopsis is basically aliens destroy Earth to make way for an intergalactic highway. And right before that happens, an alien that is living on Earth picks up his human friend, who is played by Martin Freeman, holds out his thumb like a hitchhiker, and gets picked up by an alien spaceship. And misadventures ensue, planets are traveled, alien races are comedically discovered. And that's kind of like the gist of it. This movie... Here's the thing. If I would have watched this, I would have been, Craig's either going to love this or hate this. Because it is, here's the, here's why I thought you weren't going to like it, is it's quirky and it knows it's being quirky and it yeah. thinks the fact that it's quirky is funny. Yep. You like yeah. quirky movies like based in reality where like real people are quirky. Let's watch a real person do things a real person would do. This movie's like, wouldn't it be weird if, and that's the entire it, movie. Yeah. the If you... I like an earnest quirky. If you are being quirky and playing it as as straight as a funeral, then, yeah. like, that's what I like. But like you said, yeah. Like, the entire time, it's almost like the actors are winking at the camera. Um, Dude, it feels like scenes from a hat. Um, and you have to I, work it into a larger plot. It's, it's annoying. This movie is just <laughs> annoying. I do want to give some commendations, though, because Zoe Deschanel is the saving grace of this movie. Oh, she dude, that makes one it. of us because she was top five annoying for me. Okay, he says top five annoying. I feel like there aren't enough elements in a movie to where top five is like top five relevant. annoying characters. So Yasin Bey, aka Most Def, aka the alien who introduces Arthur Dent to hitchhiking forward. Perfect. He's like bottom annoying. And then right above him, I think would probably be, Oh man, there's so many people that just got on my nerves. Okay. So let me just pivot from this and go into. Sure. We'll, we'll the... dive into what pissed me off later, but you guys need to understand what's going on. So the problem that I had with this is I don't love Martin Freeman as an actor. Martin Freeman plays a character. He he brings an aura of annoyance to every character he plays. Like the like the the scene just gets a little more pissy whenever Martin Freeman is in it. And some might argue that's like the kind of characters he's typecasted to play, but there's like this, I can't be bothered. Why is this happening to me? I'm just trying to mind my own business. Everything, you know, is going wrong that I just did not find endearing in the slightest. Dude, and so me and you hate this movie for completely different reasons. <laughs> this is hilarious. 
And so Zoe Deschanel had a much brighter disposition. So that was a very nice kind of counter to what I didn't like about Martin Freeman's performance. Okay. I liked Martin Freeman and hated her because like he was the real person in a world where everything's weird and everyone else was just going along with it. And Zoe Deschanel was peak going along with it. Her character had no idea what was going on 48 hours ago. And now she's a specialist and she's like, eh, it is what it is. I'm like, no, you don't get, you should be freaking out like him, but we're not for some reason because Sam Rockwell's charming. Maybe. I don't know why you're not freaking out. So I totally didn't mind Martin Freeman's character. Zoe Deschanel was getting on my nerves. Um, the other thing that I do like about this movie, and it's what I liked about the book too, is I wish that this movie, I know I said I was going to compliment it and now I'm turning it into a criticism. <laughs> I'm just going to rip of, I'm cool with it. Um, I like it when movies are unabashedly stylistic and I like it when they break the fourth wall is the phrase I'm going to use, but that's not quite in capturing of what I mean but like when the movie would pause bring up the hitchhiker's guide and kind of show a little demonstration I liked that break of format the the movie that I always reference when I talk about this is Zombieland and how we would take the time and go through Jesse Eisenberg's list of rules I like it because it's a very direct and um efficient way of world building obviously this is telling and not showing which is the opposite of what you're supposed to do but sometimes i just like being told the rules of the game yeah for me the rules of the game were irrelevant because it only mattered right then and then we're never gonna talk about it again which is bad storytelling it's like oh we're in the middle of something oh by the way i should have told you this already i'm like then freaking tell me this at least in zombie land The rules were used throughout the movie. There were numerous callbacks. Like, and that right there is why we double tap. Always double tap. And in this, it's just like, oh, we're in the middle of something right now. Forgot to tell you, poetry is important. Don't listen to them do poetry. I'm like, what? You? This is just cliff notes and like sidebars for most of the movie. And that, I think there would be a time in my life where I thought that was funny. But now it's just annoying. Because they were in, like what we talked about earlier, they're they're making the joke about, it's too meta. Like, they know that this is not how you're supposed to do it, and that's what makes it funny. And I'm like, well, the fact that you know that is making it annoying, because you're choosing to be difficult. I think um, it's it's a stylistic choice that we, for some, dude, it blows my mind that we hate this movie. I don't hate, I hate it. it I read your review already in Letterboxd. It seems like you were disappointed. But it's not a bad movie. This for me is borderline unwatchable. <laughs> um, I also wanted to talk about the Alan Rickman character because Okay. Yeah. Loved it. You you loved it, right? No. Craig, no. Craig. How? How can we be opposite on everything? It's just like I I really am just not into characters that are like curmudgeons (laughs) 
And this that's is... all this character is because, like, I know people like that in real life. So Alan Rickman plays a robot that is entirely self-deprecating. That's the joke. It's like, oh, nobody ever listens to me. Oh, no one pays attention to me. I'm just garbage. You know, my life is worthless and meaningless. And that joke gets old fast. And like, and like I said, I know people like that. And it is so frustrating to be around those kinds of people. And it's not, it's it just like, it stopped being funny instantly. Mm-hmm. And j- it just read pretentious. I, for this, I started off not liking it and it grew on me. So by the end of the movie, instead of being more annoyed with it, I'm like, I like it. I like it now. I'm, I'm starting to re- I'm not relate with the character, but like I was on his side. Dude, how, what more could we disagree about? Because um, th- at this point, it's impressive. Um, I'll, I'll tell you? you this. I yeah. find all the quotes from this movie like way less interesting when you put them in the context of the movie. Like the one that every the mo- and oh. this is maybe the most annoying reference from this movie. Can I tell you the- what you're gonna say? I want to. Yeah. I want to know if I can guess it. In the yeah. beginning, the universe was created. This made a lot of people angry and was widely been considered as a bad move. No, I like that joke. It's the yeah, me too. Okay, yeah, making sure. Yeah, no, the one that I found annoying was "What's the meaning of life?" Forty two. Oh, dude, and, that made me mad. And that makes me mad. <laughs> like, not only do I not find that joke very funny, and like, um, now they have to go on a quest to find the ultimate question to pair with the ultimate answer. It just, it feels so pointless. It feels like the stakes have never been lower and it feels like a very weak foundation to build your movie on. And this movie is a comedy. It's, it doesn't need to have a strong foundation. Every comedy movie has the weakest foundation you ever heard of, but there's like a gra- They, they add a gravity to this that I feel is like unwarranted and therefore has an opposite effect. Um, and so when we get to the final set piece with Bill Nye, like as the leader of the planet builders or whatever, um, yeah, the backup that, earth that all kind of felt like kind of a cop out in a way where it, you know, they weren't really answering their own question. Things were kind of allowed to go back to normal. And th- and then just the jokes kind of stopped. <laughs> Once Bill Nye started giving... The movie was giving... wrapping up for ages. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Bill Nye is taking um, Martin Freeman on a tour of this factory that builds planets. And, like, when he built Earth, he built a backup Earth that I guess he was also keeping updated in real time, I guess. Um, That, like, broke my brain. And so when he was giving Martin Freeman the tour of this, like, facility, it it felt like the attempts at humor had just stopped. (laughs) Because yeah. like, there are bits about this that I did enjoy, like um, the concept of the infinite probability drive. And like we are we travel light years by creating an incredibly unusual circumstance. And that circumstance could be anything. I mean, like that's effectively everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> right. This. Yeah. I liked that device. I just this movie felt like we have a good idea. We should put it in a movie. Oh, I have a good idea. Let's put it in a movie. And like, well, it's just, we only have the budget to make one movie. So, you know, 
put them together. And like that works, that works, but you have to, it it almost has to be like, almost like a Monty Python thing where you have to present it as here is a series of sci-fi sketches with an incredibly loose narrative a la Monty Python. Because Monty Python didn't have a narrative. It had like recurring bits, but like you knew you were getting into a sketch comedy movie. And maybe that's and maybe that's why I liked the book a little bit better than this, because even though it contains the same narrative, it is not trying to disguise itself as anything other than like a structured comedy. Yeah, um, I had a conversation with someone at work about how this is different than Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And Monty Python and the Holy Grail had conversations and dialogue that was funny and a couple situational things. Like sometimes the act, like the knight who kept, you know, merely a flesh wound that kept losing limbs or um, they were riding horses with the coconuts. But like that wasn't the entire movie. I would say the majority of the jokes was just dialogue. And this is very little dialogue. And wouldn't it be weird if so? Like, I don't quite understand how to explain the difference. Like, that's kind of the best I can do. But for some reason, I found my Python so much funnier than this. This was just obnoxious. And maybe it's the fact that Monty Python doesn't acknowledge like, hey, we're doing this weird thing. Wouldn't it? you're going to laugh by how weird this movie is. They don't acknowledge it at all. They're, it's all straight. And this, there's too many winks at the camera, bro. There's too many. Also, like, their getting out of trouble was just, like, written getting them out of trouble. Like, I don't want to, here's the solution. Let's just invent one. It didn't seem intelligent writing. It just felt like, let me just get them out of trouble real quick. Uh, the solution to this is just going to be, ah, we built a second Earth. We're not even going to, worry about that other thing and we're just going to be cool with it i feel like this is like a classic case of like you're a lot true artists are allowed to break the rules but only because they mastered them and they understand them and this movie feels like we're going to break all the rules and we don't understand them and i know everyone involved in this movie is too smart to not know what they were getting themselves into i i can't believe that they didn't know they had to have known the one that like really blows me away is Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Because Sam Rockwell is playing... I mean, actually, I take that back. Because in a movie filled with incredibly British comedy, Sam Rockwell brings... Let's call, let's call it like I see it. The most American version of comedy into this movie. Yeah. Um. So... He kind of gets a pass, I think. I think that Sam Rockwell was making a different movie than everyone else was. Yeah, I think he just didn't know what the joke was. Or he thought, Sam Rockwell is me, where he thinks the wrong parts are funny, and everyone else think, is looking at a totally different movie. Yeah. <laughs> and no one corrected him. Or they're like, ah, I mean, we're we're too deep into this. Yeah. I who do we recommend this movie to? I know, we're not done talking about this movie, but like, who is sure? this movie for? Is it for <laughs> Brits? Um, is it for just people who read the book? Yeah, it is for people that, I don't want to say blanket, people that like British humor. Because I do like some British humor. Like, you know, I like shows like Taskmaster, you know. So it's not like I'm opposed to British comedy, but like, 
you've you gotta recommend this to the driest person you know this is the kind of book that you recommend to like your world war ii grandpa are there any movies that you can think of that like oh if they like this movie then they'll like this because i can't think of another movie similar to this um so the edgar wright um simon Pegg trilogy is very similar to this i like those movies better than this but not by much like um the movies i'm talking about are um shawn of the dead hot fuzz and the world's end um right. i've seen um shawn of the dead and the world's end they're both okay i didn't love either of them um but th- they are very similar british cast british director british comedy v- very like um grounded but with an abstract twinge in it um Mm -hmm. so yeah if if you did like this movie and more power to you um yeah those would be the next movies i would watch are at world's or the world's end hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead okay that scares me because hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead have been only talked to me about as like amazing movies and i'm so excited to watch this yeah so Uh i am Absolutely terrified. If they're similar to this, I'm going to hate them. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, I do want to say I want to circle back. I brought her up already, but not even as like an indication of her performance, but it kind of blows my mind that Zoe Deschanel isn't like a movie star because she's been in a lot of good movies and then she took like a I think she was like going through a divorce. So she stopped acting for a little while. And then when she came back, she landed new girl. So like when I look at through her filmography, you know, there's almost famous elf hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy, um, bridge to Terabithia surfs up 500 days of summer. Like she is in movies that people know. And so very rarely do you see, see people go from, like regular working movie actor. And I don't want to say get delegated because, you know, having an eight season sitcom or seven season sitcom is like very impressive, especially when it's new girl. Right. Um, so like, I'm not saying she did poorly for herself, but when I look at what she did before new girl, I'm surprised that she didn't become someone like Nicole Kid- Kidman or Kate Winslet or something like that. I like her. But she's just different versions of herself. So, like, you need to write a character with Zoe Deschanel in mind for her to work. And that's fine. But, like, I get why she's not a movie star. We can all agree that Dakota Johnson is Zoe Deschanel's Wario, right? Yeah. And (laughs) they've been splitting work. Yeah. And if one of them was to pursue music full-time, it'd be Katy Perry. (laughs) So, like... (laughs) I feel like you could have replaced Dakota. You could have replaced Dakota Johnson in one of the Fifty Shades movies with Zoe Deschanel, and no one would notice. <laughs> yeah, except for she'd be just like she just reads as quirky. I don't know if I've seen yeah. her in a movie where she wasn't. I guess Elf. I mean, yes, but when she's again, kinda... <laughs> when you're cued against Will Ferrell as a giant elf, it's kind of hard to be anything other than the straight man. Right. I'm just looking at other stuff. I'm like, no. It came off like you could feel it in all these other movies. So I get it. I'm glad she's successful, but I know why she's not, you know, Nicole Kidman. I Kate would watch Winslet. her. Like, in those more guys movies. are like chameleons. Um. So overall, um, yeah, I just 
I was expecting something different, I think. Um, I don't want to give it, like, a bad rating, but it was super not engaging. So, like, I think a flat five is where it sits. Yeah. Um, I was going to go through the list of, you know, my most annoying characters. It'd take too much time. I'm going to give it a three and a half because comedies are hard. I want to say this is good for somebody, but not me. And there's a couple characters that I'm like, please get them back on screen. Please get them back on screen um, because I'm dying over here. But this movie made me frustrated and mad. And if I was grading purely on emotion, it'd be lower. But I know this movie is better than what I feel. So three and a half is the best I can do. Um, okay. So we are doing a casual episode. We're recording pretty late. We don't really want to prepare any segments. So we're just kinda gonna we're just kinda gonna go on vibes today and kind of see how it pans out. Um the one thing that I wanted to talk about that happened to me this week was mm-hmm. I saw the new Mean Girls movie. It took me a while, but I finally saw it. And we'll talk about the quality of the movie at the end of the episode. But if you did not know that the new Mean Girls movie was a musical adaptation, then I'm about to make fun of you. I'm sorry. Because (laughs) I was watching this movie on January 26th, a full three or it's been two weeks. It was entering its third week of being out. And I watched three people towards the front of the theater once the song started happening get up and leave. Now, I don't think a movie being a musical is a good enough reason to leave a movie. I Um, think it is. I think it totally is. Yeah, and y'all are crazy. Y'all are boring and you're crazy. Going into Here's the thing. Hold on. Can I I finish telling my story before we do this? (laughs) Okay, yeah. I can just talk about anything, but you can finish your story. So... What I found most interesting about it was if this had happened during the first weekend, I would have understood. However, this movie has been out for not a short period of time. I feel like everybody's been talking about it. I get like dozens of videos about this discourse on my For You page every day. And so the fact that this movie has been out for several weeks and you make it through two songs and you're like, no, can't do it. What are you cra- Why did you bother in the first place? Either you didn't know, which means you haven't been paying attention or you did know, took a swing and gave up real quick. And I find, and it was also, it was a group of three people, which I found particularly interesting because when you're with two people, you just need to lean over to one person and be like, hey, I'm not feeling this. Do you want to go? And then you go. But adding a third person to that equation, like if that one person doesn't want to go, then you feel like a bad person for asking and the other person feels bad for making them stay. And so I just found that whole interaction like you guys live very different lives than I do. And I can't imagine what it's like being with you. Craig. Yeah. You're off base here, man. You're so off base. It's bananas. People who go to movies together in general, like the same movies, or they'll just go to that particular movie by themselves or go with just the friends who want to see that movie. If you all go in expecting one thing and you get disappointed, because here's the thing. If one of you goes in, watch knowing it's a musical and the other two don't know, then you're the worst friend in the world. So you just didn't talk about this movie before you guys went at all? You just kept that information to yourself? That's crazy. So they all knew nothing. 
None of them knew. And then they all walked out because they were all disappointed. So that's point one. Point two, if you don't know movie's going to be a musical and you get caught off guard, you can walk out. You can 100% walk out. If you knew it was going to be a musical and you don't like the music, then you got to stay because the music might get better. You might just not like that song. But if you just don't know, then you can 100% walk, in, walk out. Getting blindsided by music is horrible, dude. That's like going to a bar and then karaoke starts out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, is this going to be all the whole night? The whole night is karaoke night. I didn't know that. W- great reason to walk out. And then three, this is important. Not everyone has your For You page. I know so many people who would go and see a Mean Girls movie and not know that it was a musical. They just don't know. Or they got asked to go and they didn't do any research because they didn't want to go. But they're like, I'll go because I saw the first one freaking 15 years ago. And this wouldn't be that bad. So I can understand why people wouldn't know. I know because I watch movies. I can almost guarantee that a lot of my friends who might actually see that movie have no idea. And I would warn them because I'm a good friend. People need to be warned for musicals, bro. It needs to have its own rating system. Like MPAA needs to come out and be like, just so you know, this is rated M for musical. It's just so you know. I'm speaking for the people here. It's an unpopular opinion with probably 50% of our audience, but the other 50% are going to write in and thank me for this. Okay, so that was the one thing that I had. (laughs) Okay, so Craig, um, when this episode comes out, it's we're just at the end of the month. Yeah. You have watched 18 movies, 19 movies? Uh, Yeah. Ish. I have watched 33, bro. Yeah, sometimes I watch how you watch movies, and I wonder if you actually have a job. There's a couple things people say. Do you watch movies at work? I don't. And two, um, do you ever see your kids? Because what they don't realize is I start when they go to bed. So, Because I don't watch these movies with them. Way too many of these movies are inappropriate. I watch like two animated movies a week, maybe one a week with them. So that's like, I would say of my 33 movies, five are family movies. Like, because you just watch, it's literally one or two a week. So it's going to be slow. But like everything else is after bedtime. But like, I've just gotten in the schedule where like I play minimum amount of video games. And this is just what I do after eight o'clock is like just watch a movie. And then on weekends, I stay up till two or three in the morning to watch two or three movies. So if I missed one earlier in the week, like I got started at nine, only watched an hour and I have to finish it the next week or the next day, that's only one movie in two days. I make up for that on the weekends and I always know what I'm watching next. Yeah, that's crazy because um, I get home from work and I want to do nothing but rot in my bed for the rest of the night. Like I could have the best day at work. I could feel like I could get home feeling energized and like, yeah, I'm going to do stuff. And then the second I get home and I'm like, I'm going to put on a movie and then I will start a movie. I'll see the opening credits. And I'm like, I do not have the emotional bandwidth to invest myself in a world of other people. What's your gap between coming home from work and sleeping? Um, Depends on the night because I come home, you know, different times of the night. But yeah, if but I could, what, let's say what's your, like your early early night would be like six, six. Yeah. yeah. Craig, that's so much time. Oh, yeah, that I is, know. And when would you go to sleep? 10, late. 11? Not late. So, Craig, because we know we've just got, we talked about this in a previous episode. Fridays are spike nights. Yeah. You watch a lot of movies on Fridays. Makes uh-huh. sense. Um, I'm trying to figure out how come you don't watch more movies and what are you doing where movies are work? What? 
What is less work than watching a movie? Um, watching a TV show is usually a lot less work. Um, or yeah. I'll just like listen to music and put on like a game. And that's less work. Yeah, because I'm not because any game that I can play while listening to music does not require my full attention. But doing both is your full attention. Yeah. Right. But if I'm watching a movie, then I'm not doing anything with my hands. So. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Gotcha. So. I'm just saying you could be me. And I know you've been me. Yeah. Yeah. I know you have. Because December last year, there was a huge movie spike. (laughs) I had to do some cranking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like. If you were to look through my letterboxed diary, like it tells you what days I watched what movie. Um, I I have spurts, you know. Uh, I would watch like a movie every few days, a movie every few days, four movies in a single day, a movie every few days, a movie every few days, four movies in a day. So I have like very little. <laughs> it's all or nothing on my end, babe. <laughs> yeah, I don't have more than a day in between reviews and some of them i have i mean freaking january 6th in order to celebrate the insurrection i watched five movies dude i can prove i wasn't there look at my letterbox diary i watched five i mean i probably started some of those movies and finished them later but like yeah my diary is insane right now but like i love this because so it's good to have a list so i have to watch a podcast movie and the comedies i'm watching is me catching up with the culture. That's what it feels like for me. Is everyone has seen these movies but me. Let me see what the hype is about. So that's what that feels like. And then on top of that, then I have a movie with my family, usually one family movie. And then on top of that, I have to fit in movies for me. And it feels great. It feels great, dude. So I'm not burnt out yet. I think I can still hit my my goals. I have been... It's also great to see, because we have we watch enough movies um, enough popular movies um, between the two of us that I can see what you think about stuff. Like I watched The Creator, and I'm like, I remember Craig saying something nice about this movie. Like he brought it up at our year end review. I can't remember what he said, and I can just go check to see what you thought. Same thing with The Holdovers. Same thing with uh, Saltburn. Like I can just do that now, and that makes it now I don't have to ask you all the time. I can just <laughs> look up what you what you thought, which is great. Um, do you? I promise this is going somewhere. Do you have like busy seasons in work or is it all just um, pretty like stag or not consistent? Uh, It's inconsistent. So I have, but in the busy thing, it's not something you can anticipate. Okay. Like I, I'll know it's going to be busy usually a day or two before it happens. Okay. But it's not like, Oh dude, the beginning of the year sucks. Like I know for your, your business is literally seasons. Yeah. I don't experience that at mm. all. And they don't last long. Like a busy season for me would last max two weeks. Yeah. So if you look at like the chart of how many movies I watched per week, you can see a distinct dip in the middle of July, the end of August, and the middle of October. And then the only reason it peaks at the end of the year is because I have catching up to do. Um, yeah. And so... the. I am becoming more aware of my, not dependence, but my indulgence of the statistics of like, I am focusing hard this year to let the numbers drive me less 
Like, I still want to hit 200 movies, but it's less about that and more about enjoying the movies I'm watching. Um, Because even if a movie is bad, I don't want to justify it by like, well, at least I get to log this on Letterboxd. I like, if I watch a movie and it's bad, then so be it. And I'm still going to seek out bad movies. Like, I purposely watched Jack Ryan, but I don't want that to be like my defining characteristic. Yeah, I, here's the thing. What I've realized is my bar graph and my statistics are going to be very different than other people's because I want, if I'm going to have to watch eight movies a week, I want them to be good. You know, like I can't watch eight bad movies in a week or I'll kill myself. (laughs) I can't do it. So my numbers skew high because the kid movies, if I'm going to watch them, I want them to be good. They ha- I have they have the tricky part is I don't want to rewatch movies. Or if I am, it they it has to be a long time since I last watched them, like ten years plus. Um, so those skew low for me. Um, the comedies are hit and miss. Like I've had you know one and a half all the way up to four. I think I don't think of anything higher than four stars. On my own time, if I want to watch a movie, nine times out of ten, it's a movie that I know is going to be good. I just want to watch it. So for instance. The Oscar movies. Yeah, they might not be my favorite, but they're not going to be bad movies, you know? So that helps a lot. I don't care. Yeah, I just avoid. I don't want to watch bad movies because that's time I could be watching something good. So I'm doing kind of the opposite of you. Like, I don't want to write bad reviews because I hate watching bad movies. I'd just rather watch only good movies and then talk to people about good movies. Yeah, and I can always tell. I always recognize when I'm on a negative kick and I get not frustrated or annoyed, but like that's when I feel like it's a chore rather than a hobby is like the last four movies I rated, none of them got above a three out of five stars. And when I look at that, I'm like, am I the problem? Am I (laughs) getting burnt out? Am I being too critical? Is there something these movies have in common that I just hate? I um, am worried about that. That is something I'm going to have to go back and rewatch my favorite movies because I'm like, is this movie as good as I remember it being? But I think I always rate half a point too high on movies I like and half a point too low on the movies I don't like on the first viewing. It is so hard for me to be objective on the first viewing because it's just exciting to be watching it. Yeah. And it's a visceral reaction if I love it and it's a visceral reaction if I hate it. But something about watching a movie again takes the magic away. Do you feel that at all? Um, yeah. We've talked about kinda. this before. Like, I so, don't, I don't like watching re- rewatching movies. So I rewatched um, Dungeons and Dragons recently, and I definitely know what you mean because the first time I watched it, I watched it with a bunch of my friends, and we watched it like on our own. It was a super cool experience, and then. You know, the last time I watched it, I watched it at the end of a long work day and I watched this movie specifically because, you know, it was the end of my birthday and I wanted to watch a fun movie and I watched it and I'm like, this is different. I am tired. I um, am laying in bed because I can't be bothered to sit in my chair right now. I am you know, kind of dozing off, but like, I'm still seeing all the things and recognizing that I still like those things, even though if I'm not enjoying them to their fullest extent. 
That, okay. I can relate with that. I, yeah, I just struggle with movies because if I'm not enjoying it as much as I could, a part of me goes, did, did, when I watched this the first time and I told, I put a rating or a review or I told people about it, I said it was great. Was I lying? I'm and does less that, worried. Affect- I am way less worried about overhyping a movie than being overly critical of a movie. If I watch a movie and I'm like, I really enjoyed this movie. If I say that to someone and they come back and they were like, hey, that movie was ass, I am way less worried about that than me going into a conversation being like, this movie was bad. And everyone else was like, no, that movie was really good. I don't like being the stick in the mud. I don't like um, being critical of a movie where maybe it doesn't deserve that level of criticism. So... I would prefer being a little over than being unnecessarily harsh. Do you look at other reviews before you do a review? Also for the podcast, do you look at what other people think about the movie before you talk about it on the podcast? Um, yes. For the podcast, yes. Um, because I think that one of the services that we provide as a podcast is trying to put our reviews in the context of the cultural zeitgeist. Um, Like, you know, like with Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, we talk about, you know, people quote this movie all the time. And um, like you said, people would dress up in Halloween costumes for this movie. Like it left an imprint on society. And so here's what we think about it in the context of what everyone else thought. Um, And so if, and, and, in terms of do I do it before I write my personal reviews, it depends. You can't always control when that happens, but I also keep a pretty good ear to the ground in terms of how movies are being received as they come out. So very rarely do I go into a new movie not knowing what the consensus is already. Gotcha. Because that's it's tricky for me. Um because I got to sometimes I want to know if I'm crazy. Like the way people, there's a couple movies that I've watched that I'm like, I must be wrong. After Sun is one of them. Yeah. People uh-huh. freaking love that movie, dude. I have a buddy at work that does not let it go that I rated that movie low. Um, Like <laughs> I watched a movie so I gave After Sun a two out of five on Letterboxd. And then the next movie I watched, I gave it a two and a half. And then I saw that guy at work and he was like, so better than After Sun, huh? And I'm like, don't do this to me. <laughs> don't. Just, he has notifications on your reviews. <laughs> um, yeah. It- but the movie that I felt that way with, it's crazy how movies with higher ratings, the bar is lower to feel wrong. And, I, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before, but the movie I always think about is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That movie is a 4.4 out of 5 on, I, or on Letterboxd. <laughs> and oh my gosh. That's cr- like anything higher than a 4 is crazy. 4.2 is like interstellar. Sitting at a 4.4 is nearly impossible. And That's like almost exclusively fives. And this movie has over 750,000 ratings on it. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I gave this movie a three and a half, which is like I, we watched it on small and tall. I think I gave it a flat seven. 
So like, I enjoyed this movie. I think it was good. I liked it. But for some reason, putting it at a three and a half instead of a four and a half or a five makes me again, feel like a stick in the mud. Like gang, I still liked the movie. (laughs) Yeah. For me, my ones and one and a halves. I mean, you can do halves, right? Yeah. Yeah, So like, yeah. So halves and ones and four and a halves and fives. Um, the ends, the very far ends are, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And then the one right off that is, this is one of the best movies I've seen this year. And one of the worst movies I've seen this year. So when people give things five, like, here's the thing. I'm not trying to, you know, be an elitist. That fives only go to certain things that deserve it or whatever. But like, when I click on somebody's reviews and it's ones, three, ones, two and a halves, or half or one or whatever, two and a halves and fives exclusively, like they don't do, it's either I hated it, it was okay, or I loved it. Those people, I'm like, well, then your reviews mean nothing. And you're throwing off the averages. Take this seriously. <laughs> I'm just like, do you understand that under that this might be a free app? But this is my life. <laughs> but Because people just, dude, it's just like fives are going like, oh, that's what people say is, oh, that was a great movie. Or if they cry at all in a movie, they give it a five. I'm like, no, bro. I cry all the time. That doesn't just give you a five because I felt something. Movies are supposed to make you feel something. So, yeah, when when I you see a movie like I'm about to watch uh, The Big Lebowski going through comedy movies, it's like a 4.1. I'm like, dude, this movie better be incredible. If the average is like a 4.1, that's so many fives. That's so many. The Big Lebowski I watched is The one Godfather and gave it like a four. <laughs> The Big Lebowski is one of those movies that I associate with high school social studies teachers. Like, yep. It, I know yep. it has that vibe. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know what it is. I'm. That's the best thing about going through lists. I think next year. I mean, I think I just gotta find a genre and just go through it, so I can just catch up. Because I'll, I'll have a conversation with someone, and I think I'm deep enough now. And you, you must be in the same situation. Is people can say, like, have you watched this movie? If they give me, like, three or four movies, I can tell you everything you need to know. I had a conversation with um, my cousin um, the other day, and I'm like, oh, this person is only recommending movies on Netflix. (laughs) Because no one else talks about this movie. Nobody. I couldn't even give you examples, because I've never heard of the movie. But I'm like, I think that might have come up advertised on Netflix last year. But that's this this person only watches YouTube TV and Netflix. So all their movies are on one of those two. They don't care about Oscars. They don't care what's in movies. They just don't go to the movie theater very often. They just don't know. And then I'll talk to another person and they'll recommend four movies that are basically John Wick. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that tells me what I need to know. That's, that's fine. And then you'll have, a, and like when you have a conversation with me and you have, and I, I have to recommend you movies and you're like, assume I don't know anything Then I'm gonna give you the same few recommendations. It's going to be Inception or Interstellar. It's something from Christopher Nolan. Something. And one of his more popcorny movies. Yeah. Um, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be Inception, Interstellar, or Prestige. It's gonna be one of those three. I'm not gonna send you Tenant. I'm not gonna send you Memento. It's you're not gonna get Oppenheimer. It's gonna be one of those three. One of those ones like make you boggle your mind. I'm gonna send you a Scorsese. I'm gonna send you the easiest Scorsese to watch. 
It's going to be one or two. It's going to be either The Departed or that uh, DiCaprio in the Asylum with Mark Ruffalo movie. Shutter Island. That one. It'll be one of those two. And then, to throw you off, because you can't, how dare you predict what I'm going to say, I'm going to throw in uh, a rom-com or a romance or something like that. And I don't like very many of them. So I'm going to send you About Time because I can, that movie passed all the tests. And then, usually for the fourth one, I'll do a comedy. But like the fact that people recommend four movies that are all basically the same movie (laughs) blows. It's just like it doesn't blow my mind. It just tells me something about you. So if you ask me for recommendations, um, I'm going to give you Now You See Me. And if you don't like that, then I'm going to give you Now You See Me too. And if you don't like that, then you're a lost cause, bud. I just I don't know what to tell you. If you don't like those two movies, then you just don't like cinema. Sorry, you should give up. (laughs) Yeah. Have you heard of Muppets Christmas Carol? Because if you haven't, it's good. (laughs) I think the running joke right now is Paddington 2. Yeah. And I'm like, it must be good if they're putting it in other movies. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. Okay, let's knock out our actual free balling. One of these days we're going to turn this back into like a comedy podcast, but not soon. (laughs) Yeah, for now you're just stuck with people talking. Friends Um, talking. So, did I talk about Alien Resurrection? I don't think so. Okay, so... Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I don't think so. Okay, so as I mentioned, I'm working my way through the Alien franchise, and Alien 3 was a hot mess. It's a mess that David Fincher doesn't stand by. And Resurrection is the return of Ridley Scott as the director. He only directed the first one, and he came back for this one. This one was cool again. Like, the problem with 3 was that it was just straight up bad. But this one's like, hey, let's be a little cool again. Winona Ryder's in it. Ron Perlman's in it. Um, There's some really cool action scenes in it. This is probably the movie that has my favorite action out of the Alien franchise. Like, there's um, a shot where Ron Perlman is climbing a ladder and he needs to shoot some aliens that are below him. So he hooks his ankles around the ladder and then bends backwards and then shoots the guns like effectively below him. But his head, that's where his head is pointed to. And I read in the trivia that he like tore both of his um, (laughs) tendons while doing that stunt. And I watch it and I'm like, Sick, bro. Totally worth it. <laughs> worth it, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah. So it was. This one was better. It's still not great. the The problem with the Alien movies is all of the characters suck. If you're not Sigourney Weaver, I don't care. And they are keep there any? To... <laughs> how many reoccurring characters are there outside of Sigourney, or do they get a brand new cast around her every time? They will bring a character back as like a reference. But no, there are very few characters. I don't think there are actually any characters that genuinely carry from from one movie to another. You, like it's not like you're gonna watch a movie and be like, "Who's that guy?" Oh, he we brought him in the last movie. So it's pretty much just Sigourney. Um, so well, this I mean, one that's fair. Yeah, so this one was good, but not great. Like six and a quarter, six and a half. Okay. Um, everyone and their mother has record. This is this almost made it to how have you not seen this month? It's Collateral. Yeah, I'm I'm one of these people. I'm one of the um, people. Everyone has been asking how like have you it's not even like how have you not seen this? It's just like you're a dude, right? Yeah. You like good movies, right? Okay. Have you seen Collateral? And I'll say no. Like 
it's just been in the zeitgeist, zeitgeist since 2004. So the past 20 years, dudes everywhere have been talking about this movie. And I just got around to seeing it. Um, I love Tom Cruise as a bad guy, dude. And it makes me mad that he's not tapping into that more. And I don't know why he's not doing it. It's also, the so silver good. fox look is, I liked it a lot. Uh, it For me, it was too like, I'm a bad guy. <laughs> like, sure. So you don't forget, I'm going to do something weird, like a Bond villain, and just seem a little off. Um, I, dude, I, this seems crazy to say. I don't know if I like Jamie Foxx as an actor. That's like, really weird coming from this movie. Of all the movies that you could have said, I don't like Jamie Foxx as an actor. This is not the one I would have picked. Like, obviously, Project Power trash um obviously i mean spider-man 2 the amazing spider-man 2 sorry trash um this movie i just like don't believe him he's too smooth jamie fox as a human being is so smooth when he's pretending not to be it it's it feels fake and it's almost condescending like the dude doesn't know what it's like to not be smooth so he's just like making fun of people (laughs) that's what it felt like like, hey, man, you're you're bullying me right now. Don't pretend to be be like us because you're not. The dude's way... He's too talented to be a good actor is what I'm saying. Like, he can be Ray because Ray was smooth and talented. But the, whenever he tries to be someone who's normal, it's it pulls me out of it, dude. It takes me out of it entirely. The dude's too handsome. He's too smooth. He knows exactly what to say. And he can't turn it off. So, like, that kind of bothered me about this movie uh that being said jada pinkett smith freaking sold me and that was emotions i was not anticipating feeling i was very anti-jada as everyone is nowadays but i'm like okay maybe maybe will smith was on to something in the early aughts something's making sense stuff was clicking um the movie itself was good the ending was almost a little too perfect but it was good enough to be satisfying and i enjoyed it and it at, for whatever you can say about this movie um or or you can't say or all the all of its flaws it it is a thriller dude it makes it keeps you at the edge of your seat for most of it and um i'm giving it an eight out of ten that's so fair i like that movie a lot too it is it is in my top three tom cruise movies just straight up yeah that's um i finally got around to watching theater camp um which is a movie that is written produced and starring ben platt now i don't know if you know this but i don't get along with ben platt is maybe the best way to put it (laughs) um and so i watched this with some buddies with the full intention of like giving it a gentle roasting and we did do that however this movie does have some genuine merit to it um if you have ever been a theater kid even just like a little bit or you had a friend that was a theater kid that you kind of absorbed some personality through by proxy you Mm -hmm. will appreciate a good chunk of this movie um it is genuinely funny there's some genuinely fun like it is not a musical but it is a movie about a theater camp so there are some musical moments and they are cool um sweet and the only issue is there's a good 35 minute chunk kind of in the middle where they just kind of forget to do jokes. <laughs> and that's rough. There was a moment where we were all kind of like, 
hey, has this movie stopped being funny? And then they kind of circled it back around. Um, I want to give particular props to um, Jimmy Tatro. He plays um, like Dude, a he's crypto. So good. He plays like a crypto douchey bro, like TikTok live ass kind of snapback bro. And I have always hated those characters, even for comedic effect. When hey, look at how this guy is a loser is the punchline. I still don't like those characters. However, I think through this, the sheer force of Jimmy Tatro's sincerity, he sells it like I've never seen it sold before. He, like, is one of the three pillars of this movie. And so I wow. wanted to give him special props for that. Um, Iowetta Berry, not, she did not do a bad job. And I realized that the tone of my voice made it sound like I was going <laughs> to yeah, say that. Really. Okay. Um, she's on the poster. Her name's on the poster. She's in seven minutes of this movie. She, she, you could have cut her character completely and not have changed a thing, which was kind oh of disappointing gosh. because the reason we were watching this movie was a to make fun of Ben Platt and two to watch Iowa Berry. <laughs> um, Jeez, dude. But like I said, overall funny movie, not super strong, but still had good moments. So seven out of ten. Um, writing the high scores, Toy Story 4, I watched. It made me so happy to see that you also gave this movie a high score because I really enjoy this movie. This movie, um, is, I mean, going, I mean, I don't even know what to talk about. This movie did one of the most dangerous thing possible. Is it like overstayed its welcome? It's like it left the party and said, Hey, there's not a better party. I'm coming back. And for some, somehow, dude, the party got better the second time around. And the thing that is even more impressive is everyone knew it was for money. Not a single person was like, oh, wow, they have more stories to tell in the Toy Story universe. But, like, it's still fun and a good time. It, I was so worried, dude. Everyone's like, oh, this movie's pretty good. Also, I watched this movie. I mean, it came out in 2019. I just not got around to it. So I forgot about Forky, dude. I just, <laughs> it was in the memes. It was in the zeitgeist. I'd never seen it before. I just forgot about him. He's hilarious. <laughs> He's so funny, dude. So like, and this like movie somehow, like, I think that Disney just and Pixar has access to writers who are like, we're obviously doing this for the money. But you have to whip up an amazing story. And they're like, we can do it because we're the best there is. Yeah. And you just got to trust us. So I think when you have access to the talent they have, you can do whatever. You, you can break rules like coming back after you've obviously concluded a series because they just have access to that talent. And the voice actors who decided they were all going to come back and, you know, cash a paycheck. But I mean, like, it's great. And to be honest... Probably my favorite of the series, which that's, is nuts. That's yeah, that's not as crazy to me as it would be to other people. Yeah, I think the I think for me it goes four, two, one, three. That's crazy. A lot of people like the third movie. For me, it it uh, didn't hit. Yeah, it just didn't do it for me. Sure, but like, dude, it's so good. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't I... know. I did. I didn't know where it was going. I didn't. I mean, this is. This comes from not watching trailers, not reading any summaries. It freaking slaps, bro. Um, you're ready to talk about Bedazzled? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
Alex has kindly included me on the pit stops in his comedy journey, which is to say he rents a movie on our shared voodoo account and then Venmo's me the money for it. Um, so there are going to be some comedy movies that we both have opinions on, like <laughs> the 2000 movie Bedazzled with Brendan Fraser. Um, so Brendan Fraser plays the um, like an office loser. Everyone hates him. They lie to him about going out so they so he doesn't join them, etc. He meets the literal devil and sells his soul to get three wishes. The devil, obviously played by Elizabeth Hurley. Who else would it be? Um, and so he gets three wishes, and like the devil is to do, oh, he gets seven. Yeah. So he's wishing for power, money, love, and like the devil is wont to do. She like messes with him like a typical, almost like a genie would twists his wording. Like his first wish is I want to be rich and powerful. So she makes him a Colombian drug Lord and that's it. That's the movie. It, that's the ho- movie. Hilarity <laughs> ensues. Now I didn't care for this movie because after the first, I'll even give you the second time he goes through this. It's like okay, ha 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 ha. She's twisting the scenarios, and then you realize you're just that you have for to the turn, <laughs> and then you realize you have to do it five more times before the movie ends. And I love Brendan Fraser. He's one of my favorite actors. He is so charming. He's one of the best parts of this movie. The jokes just weren't there, man. Dude, I almost turned this movie off while he was that weird, nerdy, unlikable character. Because he was so unlikable. <laughs> I hated him. Like, to the point where you're like, I understand why your coworkers don't invite you to things. Yeah. I, dude, I would be your coworkers. You're insufferable, dude. And then, on top of that, like, once the wishes came... Oh, first of all, I don't like the choice of the devil. Making the devil British and her dialogue, it was just... All of it was just like... Oh, that's a choice. Oh, there's another choice. Okay, we're just, this whole movie is just a series of choices, which I understand is most movies, but you felt it in this one. I was so happy for a change of pace when he became the Colombian drug lord, and then I was blown away by how long the bit was going to go on. Yeah. I'm like, are we literally going to have the rest of the movie in Spanish? Because <laughs> it's t- 15 minutes? Yeah, 20 it's minutes not short. of Spanish? It's the longest one. It's so long. Um, and then you just realize it's just the bit over and over again. I'm like, Hey dude, be more specific, be as specific as you could be. And, um, you're rooting for him. And at the end, you kind of know how it's going. You, the whole thing's predictable. I think you and I feel exactly the same about this movie, except I cut it a little bit more slack than you did. Sure. Um, it's, I mean, who do you reckon? I mean, it's just, I would compare, I, I think I said in my review, it's literally just like Brendan Fraser doing SNL. If you want to see him do seven different sketches and get messed with then yeah you can watch this but like it's a not it's a nothing movie <laughs> it's whatever um so yeah i probably give it like a four and a quarter like it's trying it like there's nothing inherently bad about this i give it like four and a quarter because i don't think this movie is like bad it's just not funny yeah <laughs> yeah i laughed every once every 20 minutes yeah which is not nothing but that's uh, also how often i laughed at the emoji movie yeah you know it's not in good company <laughs> and it's 24 years old uh i'm gonna give it a f- four and a half um i have one four more thing sp- sure go for it so mean girls too. duh 
(laughs) Got to circle back to that. Um, Where to start? The thing that frustrated me most about this movie is I feel like it was resting on its laurels a little bit in terms of its pacing. I think that it kind of breezes through some things that we could have spent a little bit more time on that I think they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, they've seen Mean Girls before. They know what's going on. And while that's true, it, it makes the movie feel rushed. Like I'm trying to keep up with single lines of dialogue that carry loads of expositional importance. Mm-hmm. And that is maybe the most frustrating part. Um, I will say I was ready to write this movie off in the first half. It really pulled me back in the second. Very rarely does the second half of a movie um, redeem itself. But the joke started landing way more. Um, I think the better songs of this were in the second half. Um, and so, and, and I think it was more meaningful in the second half. Uh, so I think this movie does kind of pull itself back up after it has fallen. Um, in terms of the music, it is there. I don't think there are any bad songs. There are definitely some songs that are better than others. Right. Okay. Um, Renee Rapp. And um, I always forget her name. She voiced Moana in uh, the titular Moana. Um, Ali'i Cravalho. Um, they, you, you can just tell they have musical theater experience and it shows. Um, gotcha. The, uh, I don't know if it's B.B. Wood or Bebe Wood, but she plays Gretchen. Also, fa- all of the plastics, all of the plastics were super good. Um, so... I think this movie has merit. I think if you liked the first one, I think you should give it a chance. If you bounce off the first song, keep going a little bit further. <laughs> um, but in the end, it's messy. I didn't love it, but I still like okay. um, respect it for what it was. It sits at like a 5.75. All right, that's fair, man. Not too bad. Um, well, I'll double back and hit the creator then. Um, visually, this movie's insane, dude. It is so impressive. It's just, for me, it's like, the fact that a third of the cast doesn't actually look like who they're portraying is wild. I, I mean, there's movies that do that, like, for instance, Avatar. Like, that's James Cameron, and this is not Avatar. And for half, a third of the cast doesn't have a half of their head. It's wild. So, like, visually, it's like, I'm glad it's gotten nominated for an Oscar for visual effects because it should be. That being said, John David Washington gets on my nerves in every single movie he's in, dude. I don't know what it is about him. This is one of those times where I'm like, I think it might just be me because I can't tell you what it is I don't like. Um, I, just, I can. What is it? Uh, and maybe it's not what you don't like, it's but what I didn't like. And this might be John David Washington. This might just be the writing, but. His character in the creator has is a little too detached from the reality of the situation. Too many people die for his quest to still be selfish. And um, the scene that I think about that in, hey, spoilers for the creator. Um, there's a scene in the middle of the movie where he gets his friend's girlfriend killed or his friend's fiance killed. And he just yeah. doesn't give a shit. Yep. 
and then asks his friend for more favors. And so once that happened, that really shelved a lot of my respect for that character. And I think part of that is the writing, and I think that part of that is John David Washington put a very brought a very monotone or a very detached performance to this character. Right. I think he has a hard time selling me in all the movies, even the movies, even Tenant, which I on record, I love that movie. It's hard for him to show that he cares. Yeah. <laughs> like I need you to show me how much you care and don't tell me I need you to show me on your face. Can you tell your face how you're feeling? Cause I don't believe you. It's, I don't know. He just wasn't convincing that. I mean, I don't know where they find they're finding child actors nowadays, dude, but I feel like I'm commenting it on every movie we watch. I was blown away, dude. Yeah. I was blown away by Alfie. Alfie is the AI he's carrying around with him. Like the weapon, the super guy. Um, she's so phenomenal that she carries him, yeah. the seasoned actor. It's mm-hmm. insane. Um, this movie has loads of flaws. Loads. Yeah. Um, this is one of those I feel about this movie how people feel about Tenet, where like they explain something to you and you're like Okay, I'm going to believe you, but there's so many holes that it would have been better if you would have just said it was magic. <laughs> because I, I was thinking it was bugging me how the AI was working. Yeah, um, I, I think that this movie is really cool in everything except the details of the execution. I really enjoy the world building. I really mm-hmm. like the premises. I really like the visuals. But for some reason, like it is missing that connecting spark between what it is showing and what it is doing. Um, I'm afraid to rewatch this movie because um, I saw this movie in IMAX and I can't imagine it's going to get any better than that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you saw it at its height and you should give it a break. I mean, I saw Oppenheimer in IMAX and I'm yeah. not watching that again for a long time. Um, so. Tenet's coming back to op- or Tenet is coming back to IMAX in February. <sighs> I mean, it's going to be an empty theater, so I could see it with like six <laughs> other people. <laughs> okay, Willow, this is what a real movie is. Dude, I saw that <laughs> right before Macy gave birth to Willow. Yeah. Like, that was the last movie I saw mm-hmm. in theaters. Th- wasn't that your first um, uh, Father's Day gift was the Blu-ray for Tenet? Yeah. 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 The movie's so... Dude, <clears throat> I feel like I don't want to invite anybody to go with me because they'll ruin it for me yeah uh-huh i'm like no let, just let me have this thing let me enjoy this movie this is how i feel about there's a couple movies that i love even though everyone hates and there's a lot, a lot quite a few movies that i don't like that a lot of people love tenant and the flash are two movies i'm like hey don't watch this with me let me enjoy it. <laughs> hey, i love this don't mess this up um but yeah the creator i'm giving it seven out of ten flat seven all right um well alex what are we doing next week All right, we're doing How Have You Not Seen This But For Me. So get ready for the freaking whiplash that is the movie choices. And we're going to start off. I figured since we're banging out musicals left and right, we'll hit my only one. And I'm calling it a musical because there is music. We're starting off with 8 Mile. Okay. All right. Dude, I'm so excited for this month. Yeah, I also have not seen this movie. Um... And I've 
I got nothing for this. The only thing that I'm doing is preparing to see a young Anthony Mackie. Yeah, I mean, I've watched easily 25 minutes of this movie in clips. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that's going to be like it for the majority of this month. Because I've wanted to watch these movies. I just haven't done it. And people are, they're mad when they find out I have not watched <laughs> these. So I'm freaking getting people off my back this month. But until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces.